0: FreePBXClub.com. PBX pickleball excellence. Join the club. It's free.
1: This is Coach Mo from PickleballCoach.com, and here's the host of the Pickleball Show, Chris Allen.
0: Thank you, Coach Mo, and welcome to the show dedicated to helping you play better pickleball while having even more fun. And meeting new friends who share your passion for this great sport. My name is Chris Allen, and we have a lot of new friends on the line with us today. We are actually debuting a new format for the Pickleball Show for 2016. This is a webinar format that allows people from all over the country, all over the world, to join in live as we record these episodes. And we've got plenty of people on the line. Let's say hi to somebody right now. How about Kenneth Albert for guest on the show from pickleballpaddlesplus.com Ken how you doing today
2: real good how are you Chris hey
0: doing great glad to have you as part of the show I think this is going to be fun
2: I think so too this is a really neat format it's uh, I was excited when I got the email about the webinar and I said oh I'm gonna definitely have to get involved in that because it sounds so cool and you got some really good guests so uh, I think it's going to be neat
0: well thank you again for joining us and let's do something right now we can not only uh, talk to to people in the audience and you can ask questions and interact with the guests but we can also do uh, little quizzes and polls and I'm I'm going to launch a poll right now which is your favorite place to play you have your choice between indoors and outdoors uh while you're voting though i'm going to introduce our guest it is none other than the pickleball guru himself mr Prame carno who you can find at pickleballguru.com. He's cruising to Vietnam on a pickleball cruise. He's uh, going to France. He's doing a, uh, an intensive boot camp down in Merritt Island, Florida, coming up in February. He's all over the place, and I think he's on the line with us right now. Prem, how are you today?
3: Thanks, Chris. Uh, Thanks for having me again on your show. Uh, It's great to see a lot of pickleball action happening all over the country and growing very fast.
0: It sure is. And uh, that was part of the reason why I wanted to go ahead and launch that poll. And I'm going to go ahead and close the poll right now, because if everybody's voted, you've got three two, one, and now the poll is closed. The question is, your favorite place to play, either indoors or outdoors? 60% said indoors, 40% said outdoors. I'm going to have to go with the, uh, with the indoors. The big reason, the main reason is because when you go to bed the night before you're going to play, when you get up that morning and you know you're going to play, if you play indoors, you know that you're actually going to play. You don't have to look out the window. You don't have to turn on the weather channel. Do you guys have trouble? I know you're out in Grass Valley, California, Prame. Uh, you are you pretty much are outdoors at least, what, 10 months out of the year, if not all year long? Pretty much,
3: yes. 10 months. Uh, having said that, uh, we do we have been in California, as you would know, for the last few number of days, at least for the 10, 15 days, we've been having a good spell of rain, which is actually very good since we haven't had rain, so... Mm-hmm. To answer your question, yes, 10 months of the time, you're mostly outdoors.
0: Now, let's get down to some strategy questions. I had something happen a couple of weeks ago. A guy told me something, and it's really worked out well for me, and I wanted to get your comment. And uh, for everybody uh, on the uh, on the webinar here, if you have a question for Prame, go ahead and raise your hand right now, and I'll call, call on you in just a second. The gentleman told me something. He said, when you're playing, you pretty much always want your feet to be behind some sort of a line. He said your feet should either be behind the baseline or they should be behind the non-volley zone line because I have a tendency to want to kind of drift into no man's land. I kind of I want to cheat my way a little bit towards the non-volley zone line uh, just because I'm always afraid I'm going to get dinked on. Because even though I'm tall, I'm not super fast. And so I always think, ah, they're going to they're going to do a little drop shot on me and I'm going to get dinked on. I'm not going to be able to get there in time. So I'm always cheating, you know, which I shouldn't do. And he told me that. And that's really helped cure me. It's like, whenever you look down, you know, unless you're obviously, unless you're trying to make your way up to the non-volley zone line, he said, whenever you look down, you should always see a line in front of your feet, either the baseline or the non-volley zone line. I was wondering what your take on that uh, was, Prem. You think that's good advice?
3: I think it's a good advice. I'm not completely convinced about the whole idea of the, the baseline part. That depends only on certain aspects of the, the shots, and especially if you're looking at the return of serve. If the return of serve is deep, you're behind the baseline, makes total sense. But if a, if a if the return is shorter, then you're never going to be in the behind the baseline. But as far as the being behind the kitchen line or the non-volley zone line, that totally makes sense. Closer to the line you are, better you are in, in actually cutting up a lot of angles. I would probably add a piece to it as being more on, your, on the tip of your feet so that you actually are able to move forward or backward so that you're not completely camped. And in tennis, the technical term would be or not funnily said as happy feet, which means you're always on the tippy toes. There was a beautiful video in Pickleball Channel uh, a year ago by um, Jennifer Locor and uh, Alex Hamner, the two national women's champions. Uh, when they move together, they're always moving, but they, you can see them they're always on their tippy toes, which gives them enough agility to move back and forth.
0: I remember that video. Yeah, it really, it was a, a good explanation or a good illustration of not only that, but the way that they formed a wall together and when, when one would move, yeah, the other one would move. It was like they had, you know, an eight foot long broomstick, you know, between them that they were holding. Uh, and, and, you know, one couldn't move without the other one moving, almost like an invisible, you know, stick between them. So
3: the... the- that was more insisting was the fact that if they because of the the, movement was able to be made so easily because they were on your tippy toes or your happy feet as they call it
0: great advice and it's advice that i find much easier to follow the first hour that i'm playing rather than the second third and fourth hour that i'm playing I can bounce around a lot easier in that first hour, but then I, I find myself, my paddle gets a little bit lower and I don't bounce around quite as much. I just get, uh, you know, you get you get fatigued and uh, get a little bit tired and a little bit lazy. Are there some tricks or things that you can do to where you don't have to lose a bunch of games to tell yourself, nah, you know what, my, I'm kind of out of gas here. Are there some things you can do beforehand?
3: I remember the days when Wendy and I, Wendy being my wife uh, and I would play as much as 10 hours a day. Wow. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> obviously, the the most important part is uh, the 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 mental part of you know the hunger for the the game you might have, you know once your 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 adrenaline or your your mental part is always focused on because you really want to play that much you really want to do well and and that hunger is there the the body carries a little bit but I do understand the general body fatigue. Some of the things I use in my uh, personal game, and something I recommend sometimes, is if you go to natural stores or something like that. You have a, a little spray which is called Box Rescue Remedy. It's a little spray or little pastilles you can have, uh, and you can just chew them, or you can actually spray on your under your tongue found it very efficient uh, to keep myself physically on on the edge and then also sometimes uh, I would uh, obviously do a lot of stretches in between games to keep myself not completely tightened up and drinking a lot of water is definitely indoors or outdoors doesn't matter drinking a lot of water is very very helpful and i do drink a lot of water at least a gallon of them in a couple of hours
0: what about things like uh like a gatorade i think v8 juice the low sodium v8 is great because it's got so much potassium in it it's got uh, way more potassium than uh than gatorade does have you tried that
3: I normally don't go for that. I'm always wary about the, the types of ingredients which are outside the, the fruits and vegetables, the type of chemicals which are mixed into it. Uh-huh. So I generally go for uh, bananas, which are a very good potassium. I also do some homemade um, drink, which is basically a, little, a pinch of salt. In, in a, about a half a liter water bottle, uh, I would probably have a p- pinch of salt, a pinch of baking soda, a pinch of potassium salt. And mix it up and that's uh, sort of uh, what I have generally for my drink also as a, as a part of uh, hydrating myself.
0: Sounds like a good recipe. Let's go, well, we've got a question now. Uh, Cliff Texera raised his hand and uh, Cliff if you unmute your microphone then I bet we'll be able to hear you. Hello. Hey Cliff it's Chris and Prem Carno. you're on the Pickleball Show.
1: Well thank you very much for having me.
0: Glad to have you. Where are you calling from today?
1: I'm calling from Bristol, Rhode Island. My question here uh, in regarding to your survey about playing indoors and outdoors is just a little whimsical thing. Last year here in Bristol, we were having difficulty getting co- indoor court time. So all the way into January here, into late January of last year, we had a group of 25 dedicated pickleball players playing on our outdoor courts. One of the problems we were having was that the pickleballs would start to crack because the temperatures got so low. And uh, one of our, I call her, her genius uh, pickleball players came up with the idea of using a cooler. And she would put hot water bottles inside and we would load the cooler up with pickleballs to keep them warm and rotate them in to alleviate. So that was one of the problems we were having as far as playing outdoors.
0: That's a great idea. So you had kind of a little uh, pickleball cozy there to keep them them (laughs) toasty and warm. uh, And then you'd probably use them for 15 or 20 minutes and then rotate them out.
1: Yes, we did, yeah. And that alleviated the problem completely. No more cracked pickleballs. And we were going through quite a few pickleballs, too.
0: (laughs) Let's go over to John Smalley right now. John has a question for Prem Carno, the pickleball guru, who you can uh, find out what uh, all he is up to. And subscribe to his newsletter as well at pickleballguru.com. John, are you there? Hope so. (laughs) It sounds like you are, John. Thanks for joining us today. Where are you calling us from?
2: Uh, Largo, Florida. Outside of Tampa.
0: Well, I don't think that uh, you guys have a problem with uh, keeping the balls warm down there, do you? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) What's your question for Prame today?
3: My question is, how
2: do you protect your weaker partner in doubles besides stacking?
0: Brain, what do you think about that? You've got a partner. They're obviously the weaker partner.
2: If they
3: attack them at sharp angles, short, sharp angles in the uh, kitchen.
0: And they're getting almost every ball hit to him, probably too. Yeah, like they're this. getting
3: every ball. That happens quite often, regularly, even in the advanced players. One of the suggestions I could make outside if you're looking from stacking or poaching, if those two are options which uh, seems to be less effective. Uh, one of the suggestions I would recommend is... Having your partner hit the ball more into the middle of the court. When I mean middle of the court, this month's article will tell you it's between the players. Forcing whoever's hitting in the middle that shot, giving them less angle to go for those very sharp angles that they can't hit. I don't know if you can picture it. So if uh, if, if you have a, your partner hitting the ball to the middle, the person who's going to hit that ball, you're going to say a cross-court dink, he can't really start hitting a lot of sharp angles because the angle has been shortened. Because if he's going to go from that particular area, uh, the distance is shorter than going from cross-court dink. Say, for example, if you're going cross-court dink. It forces the person to hit something more in the middle, which allows you, as a stronger player, to get into the rally. Does that make sense, John?
0: Yes. Good advice, Prem. Definitely. John, you think uh, maybe they got something to work on now in the weeks coming up? That's
3: a good idea. I appreciate that. You're welcome, John.
0: Thank you for the question, John. Let's go from John in Largo, Florida to another John. John, are you there?
2: Yes, I am here. How are you?
0: Doing well. Welcome to the Pickleball Show. You've got Chris Allen here with Prem Carno, the Pickleball Guru himself. Where are you calling from today, John?
2: I'm calling from Melbourne, Florida, and I just would like to quickly mention that Prim was here a few years ago when I first started Pickleball, and he hosted a clinic in which he informed everybody the importance of the soft game. I want to thank him for that, and I really enjoy playing that game now.
0: He was ahead of his time, wasn't he?
2: Yes. My question is that I have practiced several shots, whether it's a cross-court, lob, etc., but when it comes time, execute those shots during the game, I totally forget about them. And before I know them, the game is over and I will have forgotten to put into practice those shots. Is there anything I can do to uh, help myself just use those shots when the time is needed?
3: I think you should continue playing, uh, using those in your game, independent of it. and they, uh, You try adding one thing to, the, to your game as you play a game. Say, for example, just one hit a drop shot. Practice that in a game. game pattern and if you feel the pressure of having to play against players who are stronger or equal level as you are, play against a group of players who are less skilled than you so that you don't feel the pressure of having to execute it perfectly and get yourself into a rhythm of trying to execute that that one particular shot. Add more to the arsenal and as you get better at it and then once you are confident that you're able to get a, a rhythm into that then move to the levels of play players who you want to compete against and, and see how that works. Does that make sense, Josh? It,
2: it certainly does. So if I can just uh, tell you back what I'm hearing is it's a repertoire of shots, two or three perhaps that I would like to use during a game, play with somebody of a lower skilled level, concentrate on using those shots then as many times as I can, and then when I play the more advanced players, it should come more naturally. That's right. Okay. That's very good. Thank Let's you show. very
3: much. And John, I'll be there in February. I mean, I'm doing the boot camp in, in Merritt Island um, in, yes. uh, in February, but I'll be in Melbourne also doing some clinics. So I'll probably see you there. Well, I would look forward to it. Thank you very much. And thank you all for having me on.
0: Sure thing, John. And thank you for calling in. We do appreciate that. Let's go to uh, Mike Curry. Mike, I'm going to unmute your microphone and you can say hi to Prem Carnot. Mike, how are you today? How about you guys? Hey, doing well. What's your question for Praying today?
3: I wanted him to go back over that supplement that he was recommending. I didn't catch it whenever he said it the last time. Uh, it's called the Rescue Remedy, Box Rescue Remedy, Mike. It's, it's called Box, B-A-C-H, uh, Rescue Remedy. Uh, you get them in pistols and or in, uh, you can chew on or you can get it in spray something which I use uh, quite frequently.
0: Mike, thank you for the call today. We really appreciate it. Michael, how are you today? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Where are you calling from today, Michael? Lincoln, Nebraska. All right. Is it uh, getting pretty cold up there right now? It is freezing, yes. I wish I was from Florida with you guys. <laughs> well, what's, your, uh, what's your question for Prame today? Okay, my question
3: is, um, my opponent's lobbed on me, and I'm running deep to return it. And I typically can get to it or have an opportunity to return, but I've always have a problem knowing which way to do it. Should I lob back or should I try for a drop? So the, the answer uh, is two way. First, if it's lob over you, uh, I generally recommend uh, probably you're an able uh, person who can do that easily. But overall, I tend to recommend people not to go for the lob if it's over you when you're not able to see the ball. Your partner has a better visual of the ball. the moment the ball has been, you know, hit from your opponent's side and as it's being lobbed over you, they have a better visual of that ball and they can get to it easier than you in general cases. Now, obviously, if you have a lot of good athletic abilities, you can go behind it. I would generally, I do not recommend people backing up to go and take a lob because they would probably, you know, I've seen a lot of people get injured uh, due to that, uh, trying to back paddle to try and get a ball whereas a partner can actually just cross-court go get the ball. But to answer precisely your question, um, it depends exactly how, how fast you are or how quick you are able to get to that ball. If you are able to get to that ball in time and you have time enough time to, to organize yourself, then I would definitely recommend you to go for the drop shot because that will allow you to get back to the kitchen line. But if you don't have that time and you are actually pretty much in your last gasping and there's no other option, and then obviously what I would call the defensive lob becomes an option if you can try and lob over them. And it sort of gives you time to sort of organize and see where the ball You can hit a high lob and sort of see if you hit a pretty deep lob, then you're back at the line, at the kitchen line. And if you hit a bad lob and you know your opponent's have their fangs out and they're drooling and they're ready to smack at you, you can at least basically stop at the baseline and wait for the ball uh, before you can approach, restart approaching the net uh, slowly. Uh, Does it make sense, Michael? It does make, yeah, the answer made sense to me, absolutely. The the question I have then is is usually what will happen is is I'll send that lob back and I'll have time to watch that lob go up and typically it's not deep enough in the sense that they're going to hit it in the air. They're going to try to slam it in the air. So then, are you saying wait for that return and don't go to the kitchen line? No, I don't think so because if you're running into the kitchen line, you're you know you're you're half you're moving in and you're not in a position where you're really set to actually receive the ball. You're on movement, and then it is actually a pretty bad option at that point. If you're sure. set, if you stay back or at least you know make depending on where the ball is going to land, or at least you gauge a little bit, stop. Hit the ball, move, stop. Hit the ball, move. Uh, I would never recommend you to keep being on the move as you hit the ball.
0: Got it. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you calling in. Now let's launch a poll real quick. This is actually not a poll. This is a quiz. This is going to be a true/false quiz. It's right out of the rule book. Here's the question, or here's the statement, and you'll tell me whether it's true or false. When serving, contact must be made below the waist level. And waist level is defined as the navel. True or false, you can vote in that poll. And uh, while you're doing that, I'll tell you that uh, Prem Carnot, thank you so much for joining us today. And you can reach Prem and find out everything that he's up to at. Pickleballguru.com. And uh, I'd also like to put in a personal recommendation for your new audiobook of your classic Smart Pickleball. I have really, really enjoyed that audiobook, Bram, And uh, so nice job on that.
3: Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it.
0: And that is available at Amazon.com and also Audible.com. And now I'm going to close the poll. Has everybody voted? If you need to, you hit the submit button right at the bottom there. And I'm going to close it out in three, two one and now let's see what the results are the question is when serving contact must be made below the waist and waist is defined as the navel look at all these smart people here these people are playing smart pickleball frame they've got it a hundred percent right it is true the waist is defined as the belly button so uh that's why i i I've been checking in. Maybe I should talk to Doctor Rosenthal about this. He might know a surgeon who can who can surgically raise my belly button. I'd like to have it moved up just you know maybe maybe six inches or so just to give myself an advantage on the serve. I think that'd be pretty good, brain, wouldn't you?
3: Yeah, uh, as a joke, uh, this ruling actually got modified a little bit as as defined as navel only a few years ago because before that. And I had to say, us men, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are chuckling when you're hearing that. Referees, when they were looking at trying to figure out where the waist was, they couldn't figure it out. Uh, The waistline was a little difficult because people had their shorts all pulled up very high. And so we had to re, uh, I think USAP had to go and redefine what waist meant. And so they had to say the navel because then it gave a little bit more idea what the navel was.
0: Prem, thank you again for joining us uh, today. We really do appreciate it. And I know that you're going to be uh, in future episodes as well. And uh, so we look forward to doing that. Thank you again, Brain.
3: Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it again for all the effort you do and all the work you do in promoting the game.
0: And I'd like to thank you for joining us today as well. Hey, have you gotten your copy of the top 10 tips from Pickleball's three greatest coaches? Coach Mo, Deb Harrison, Prem Carnot, all together in one quick study guide that will definitely take your game to the next level. It's totally free. You don't need a credit card. All you need is an email address. Head over to freepbxclub.com and we'll send it to you right away. That's free pbxclub.com you can email us anytime also mail at pickleballshow.com we'd love to hear from you question, comment, whatever you got also head over to iTunes hit that subscribe button you'll never miss an episode and if you feel it's appropriate please leave us a 5 star review that helps boost us up in the rankings and makes it a lot easier for people to find the show I'm Chris Allen this is the Pickleball Show and until next week keep them low